Hey, this is Kiran Nagar from the Sparking Entrepreneur Show, and today we have Elsa Govan with us. Elsa has over 15 years of experience as a facilitator, consultant, writer, and social justice activist. She has led conversations about racial equity at workshops and conferences across the country, and helps coordinate the White Caucus at the annual National White Village Conference. So, with so many accomplishments and efforts, let's welcome our today's guest, Elsa Govan. Elsa, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Kiran. It's great to be here. Very wonderful to have you. Let's begin with your journey. Tell us about what happened ten years ago, fifteen or more years ago. Yeah, I started out as a classroom teacher, and part of my focus as a classroom teacher was in the um, racial equity, the history that I wasn't taught in schools. That I feel like all children need to have in order to be successful in the multicultural society that we live in, and so that was my goal. And then my the woman who's now my business partner, Dr. Caprice Holland, hired me to work as an equity and race specialist in Seattle Public Schools. We worked for the district for a couple of years together, and then the district did some reorganizing. And she came to me and she said, "Do you want to start out a business?" And at that point, Kieran, I had no idea about starting my own business. And so I was just like, "We can do that. How do we do that?" And she had done some. She had an independent business before as an administrative assistant, and so she just knew a little bit of the business background. But really, it was like the two of us uh, making the road by walking, as、uh, Paulo Freire says. Wow. So let's get into the client perspective now. Who do you serve best? And when should the client reach out? Yeah, we work with clients from all different sectors. We do a lot of work with government, public sector clients because we both started working in schools. We still have several clients who are individual schools as well as school districts. She's actually flying to Canada next week to spend a full week working with a district in Canada. And as well as corporate clients, so we're located in Seattle. We've worked with. Amazon. We've worked with Facebook. We've worked with several large and smaller corporate clients. And yesterday, I did a workshop with a foundation that provides millions of dollars in grants every year. So it's really varied. I would say that our clients find out about us primarily through word of mouth. So it's really different from the way that maybe a traditional business might be run. We tried some things. When we first started, like cold calling or just sending emails to people, and we weren't finding a lot of success with that. I think because of the nature of our business, people need to know that they can trust us. And one of the ways that people feel like they can trust folks in the field of racial equity or diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging is that somebody else has given us a a recommendation. The total recommendation, word of mouth, is of course the best way of spreading the word. If I were to ask you about a client success story, something、uh, that you are really proud of, or something that is on the top of the mind, oh boy, <laughs> client success! I would say for me, the, what feels really good, what where I have a deep sense of efficacy, is actually when I walk away from a session and a client says, "You changed my life." Like we are in the business of change; we're not in the business of. Selling a product—it's great that we can make money as we are living our passion. I think that's a dream that many people have: is to be able to live the thing that you are most passionate about and get paid for doing that. That's pretty fabulous. That the most rewarding thing that I hear is you really changed my life at the end of a session. 
We worked with a school district, for example, over several years. And what we found is that the teachers in the school district were starting to infuse work around racial equity into all the work that they did. Their curriculum shifted. The superintendent, who was an older white man, would talk specifically about his understanding about his white privilege and how he was having conversations with his golf buddies about the white privilege and topics that he had never felt comfortable having conversation about. So the change that we're seeing in, in our success stories are wrapped up in curse as well as the professional. Yes, we get it. We get it. Personal and the professional. It all is tied together. Uh, can you now tell us about the books? Uh, a few books that you've written. So name them and tell us what they are about. I'm happy to talk about the book. Let's see. About 10 years ago, my friend uh, Tillman asked me and another friend, MG, to get together and start talking about, as white women, what we were hearing from people of color about white women. And one of those questions was, what's up with white women? Why are you doing the things that you're doing? We're seeing these patterns of behavior. And so we started that as just a dinner conversation where we were like, let's explore who we are and how we're showing up. And through that, we ended up developing workshops. And then Tillman and I eventually co-authored the book, What's Up With White Women? Unpacking Sexism and White Privilege in Pursuit of Racial Justice. And this is the work that's near and dear to my heart because your listeners can't tell, but I'm a white woman myself. And I really feel like it's important for each of us to interrogate the intersections of our multiple areas of identity in order to understand better how we can show up as allies for racial justice, for gender justice, for all forms of equity and justice. And this book is really an invitation to our white sisters to take a look at ourselves. And the way that I see it is it's a love letter, right? The topic might sound like it's off-putting, but it's really a love letter. Hey, let's talk about these things that many of us have been socialized not to talk about. And the way that we do that is through sharing vulnerable stories of our own mistakes and then invite other people to examine theirs. So that's one. And then the other book, uh, Dr. Caprice Hollins and I, my business partner, are currently working on revising is our book, Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, Strategies for Facilitating Conversations on Race. So one of our marketing strategies when we first started Cultures Connecting was to offer workshops that were open to anybody in the community to attend. That's also how we got more word of mouth is that we would have sessions, people would sign up and then they would get to experience us in person. And one of the first sessions that we did was a train the trainer session, really providing people with guidance in facilitating conversations about race that we wish that we would have had when we first started our work in this area. And so right now we're working on a revised version of that. It's really a workbook. It's that we've tried to share our resources really openly because we want people to move racial equity work forward. And one of the ways that we do that is through this book that we wrote, that providing people with a workshop, facilitation tips. How can you be a part of this change in your everyday life and in your work environment? Got it. Got it. Thank you so much for informing us about the two books. Now people are curious about getting those books. Where do we get them? You can get them anywhere. Oh, we have probably the easiest place to find all of our resources is our website, cultures.com. We have a resources section that has links where people can order the books. Of course, they're available from your local bookstore. They're available from Amazon. So and they're available from our publisher. I like to encourage people, though, to use a local source rather than one of the bigger companies. If you're going to be ordering our books, go to your independent bookseller like BookWeb. 
Yes, totally. So there you have it, guys. Next question. Now we know the general meaning of and general definition of racial equity. Can you now please tell us about your definition and what does it mean for you? Yeah, it's interesting. I What we think about is like a lot of people get confused between the concepts of equity and equality and think that we're already on a level playing field. And if we just give everybody the same thing, then everybody will be able to succeed. But because of the legacy of colonization, the legacy of institutional racism, the legacy of the attempted genocide of indigenous people, we know that not everybody is starting at the same point when it comes to success in whatever field that might be that you're pursuing, as well as in schools and all of our, our institutions are designed primarily to serve white people. And specifically, we could go down the line about the areas where people have multiple ad advantages, white men, wealthy, et cetera, et cetera. And when we think about racial equity, we think about what is needed to counter that history of institutionalized discrimination in order to provide people with the opportunities that they need to succeed in whatever area they might choose to pursue. And so that means that there's a different distribution of resources that are based on the reality of where we are still living today. Is that making sense? Is there more that you'd like me to say about that? Yes, totally. Please go on because we would love to hear about that. Yeah. And so what else can I add? So the work around racial equity that we do then is helping people to understand who am I? Awareness of myself. Like, how have I been socialized by systems that have taught me stereotypes and resulted in implicit bias and assumptions that I make about other people when I first meet them? Even when I hear somebody whose accent might sound different from my own accent, right? What assumptions and judgments do I make based on the color of somebody's skin, uh, how they sound? All of that. That's part of this work that we do. We work around knowledge. What do I need to understand? Not just about cultural norms. This work, we always say you can't throw a multicultural potluck and end racism. We have to go beyond the food, frocks, and holidays um, model in order to really understand our history and understand our current social and political climate, no matter where we are in the global society. We also think about what skills do I need? And a lot of times when we go into work with people, they're looking for technical answers. They're looking for technical support. Just tell me what to do. And the fact is that there isn't a technical answer in the work that we do. It's much more adaptive. It's based on understanding self and having knowledge. of. And so we help people to learn the skills of getting uncomfortable and getting comfortable with discomfort or the skills of speaking up even when you're scared of what might happen as a result. And then the final component of the work that we do is action and advocacy work. So we think about systems change. What needs to happen in our laws and policies currently? So if I'm working with an organization, like I worked with a foundation yesterday that provides millions of dollars in grants every year, and they're looking at what do our laws and policies say? How can we apply an equity lens to those? And then have that language that reinforces the culture of belonging that we want all of our employees and our partners to experience. Got it. Thank you so much for elaborating on the work. My question to you is about misconceptions that you come across when you are about to work with someone or when somebody thinks of you, what misconceptions they might have. I think a lot of people believe that organizations like Cultures Connecting that are involved in diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging work 
are there to try to shame and blame, especially white people, into understanding. And I think that's one of the most common misconceptions. It's in that this is all going to be really super serious and result in somebody feeling real bad about themselves. And although I can't avoid the inevitable guilt that some people have when we find out that we've unintentionally colluded with racism, yeah, that's natural. I would expect people to feel a little guilty about causing harm to other people unintentionally. But we're not in, we don't try to use shame and blame as a weapon. And I think that that's actually one of the things that makes us really successful is that we use humor. We use interactive exercises. We try to encourage people to really engage with one another in a way that's the core humanity that each of us has. And so at our heart, the work that we do is relational. That's, I feel like that's one of the most common fears or reasons that people don't reach out to an organization like ours is because they worry about, is this approach going to be a call out or a call in type approach? And we really opt towards that. Let's call people in because the more that we call people in, the more likely it is that we'll get towards the goals that we have of achieving equity for all people. Of course, of course. Thank you for sharing that and how humor can help you and uh, in the work that you do, which is cultures connecting. Tell us about ways of reaching out to you and cultures connecting. Yeah, I mentioned our website. It's culturesconnecting.com and people can shoot me an email at ilsa.govan at culturesconnecting.com. We're also on Facebook at Cultures Connecting. We're on Instagram at Cultures Connecting. Yeah, so those are all ways that people can stay connected with the work that we do. We have a mailing list right now. We send out regular newsletters to people. And did you sign up for our mailing list yet, Karen? We will, for sure. (laughs) Every email to you, are we automatically subscribed? On our website, there's a place that you can subscribe. And then we, you can also send me an email and we'll get you signed up on the mailing list. Yeah, that's one of the ways we use our mailing list. Instead of a lot of people use their mailing list to market their products. Since we're in the business of change, we use our mailing list to provide resources. We actually send a list of sessions that other consultants are doing in the community every time that we send out our mailing list. Just to keep people connected with the work, no matter where they're at or what their interest is or what their field is, that's the intention. And we really feel like we live into the name of our business, which is connecting. Yes, totally. So there you have it, guys. Culturesconnecting.com. And you can find other ways of reaching out to them from there. So final question for the day, Elsa. Tell us about the action steps. What do you suggest the listener does after hearing this conversation? Yeah, I think it depends on where the li- your listeners are at. So anybody listening to this, what have you done as a starting point to really understand your own identity, your racial identity, your gender, your sexual orientation, and how that influences the way that you show up in the world. I would say that is a great starting point is to really ask yourself those hard questions. What are my unconscious biases? We always say the problem isn't that you have bias or that you're making judgments. I judge you, you judge me. The problem is if we allow those judgments that we initially make to really influence fully the way that we treat one another. And so I feel like that first step is really taking a look at yourself. And then there's lots of resources. So I would say as a next step, come peruse our website, check out some of the resources. We have a link to a 21-day racial equity challenge. 
that's a great starting point for people just wanting to like independently get into this conversation. Of course, order our books because they're fantastic and uh, read a little bit more, all of those things. And then I would say one other thing is have a courageous conversation. Try having a conversation with somebody in your family, a friend, a coworker about a topic around identity that maybe you've been afraid to talk about and just share a little bit. Start by sharing a little bit of something about yourself rather than asking somebody about some difference that they have. Start talking a little bit about, hey, I've been thinking about my whiteness or I've been thinking about how as a white woman, I've noticed that I do these things. Try it. Engage in those conversations. Really, that's where that change work starts. Sometimes people will say, I'm worried this is going to end with the conversation, but we don't feel like we can get to institutional change if we're afraid to talk with one another about the things that might break up tension or the differences between us. It's totally. So the change always starts within and then goes without. So start with yourself and then go on to help others. Uh, Elsa is always there for you at cultureconnecting.com. Do reach out to her and if you resonate with her, she is the best place to have a few conversations with. And of course, subscribe to our newsletter, which I'm going to do after this conversation. So Elsa, thank you so much for such a great conversation. It was a pleasure to meet you and an honor to host you today. Thanks, Kiran. I appreciate the opportunity to talk. Thank you again. With that said, I am your host, Kiran Agrar, signing off for the day. You guys take care. Bye, guys.